This next round podcast is presented by Roback Activewear. From performance polos to the performance hoodies and the performance Q-Zips, Roback is the best fit and the best fill. Use code TNR20 at Roback.com for 20% off your first order. That's R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off all polos, hoodies, and Q-Zips with the code TNR20. And make sure to check out the Roback print polos. They have you feeling good all year round. Time to get up and get going. It's Monday morning live. Tom Luganbill joins me. I'm Jim Dunaway as we talk about week four of college football, which was a classic one. And we look forward to week five. Lugs, welcome in, man. The show always brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag. Uh, this thing lived up to expectations this week and a lot of great football. A lot of great football, some bad football, some ridiculously amazing performances. You know, I was going through the weekend and kind of scouring through the games. I was getting ready for radio uh, yesterday morning, and I looked at that stat sheet for Jack Plummer at Louisville. Yes. Five touchdowns. Four of them were 40 or more yards. Holy smokes, man. Louisville looks legit. I can't believe they're not ranked. Yeah, they're very close to being ranked. I I thought they would be ranked this week, but they're close to being there. If you're not following Louisville, we talked about them back in the summer. Uh, They have a very friendly schedule. They're 4-0. They avoided a lot of the big boys on the way to the ACC championship game. They will be fun to watch just outside of the top 25. I'm going to tell everybody about my bookie. Then you pick where you want to start on the big table of all the big games this past weekend, okay? My bookie making your money... Work smarter and harder right now, our friends at MyBookie. Celebrate your winning season with MyBookie's biggest welcome all forever. This may be the biggest I've ever seen in all of the wagering world. A 110% deposit match on your first deposit. More than you put in, they'll more than double it. You heard that right. You can more than double your money before you even place a bet by making a deposit with MyBookie. It's this week only now and only here if you watch our show. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag and use our promo code next round. You don't get this offer on their website. It's only through us. Next round, mybookie.ag. But make sure to act quickly. Again, as I said, the offer is only available this week, and you only get it with the promo code next round. With a full slate of NFL and college football coming up in week five, plenty of options to bet and win this week. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Only with my bookie, mybookie.ag, the promo code next round to get that 110% bonus on your deposit up to $1,000. Luganville, pick a game for me. Let's get into it. I don't know how we can't start off with Alabama. Um, listen, I had told you a few weeks back off of the Ole Miss Tulane game how impressed I was with Tulane up front on both sides of the ball because they whipped Ole Miss. Boy, did we see that from Alabama's defense. Um, that was an impressive, suffocating performance, uh, something to be very encouraged about because I think there's some things that you can ride with that defense going forward where if they need to bail you out and they need to get you out of a lower-scoring game, they're going to be able to cover their end of the bargain. You know, on the other side of the football, statistically the first half looked bad. And there were some blunders. I, I Again, admittedly, there were some, some things that needed to get cleaned up. But I think the encouraging part offensively was that um, it wasn't as if they had three and outs. It wasn't as if they were sputtering. They had long, sustained drives. 
they just could not complete the act once they got into the red area and then made mistakes. And I know they had four sacks, but I thought the offensive line played much better as a whole. And a lot of those sacks can be attributed to Jalen Milrow, uh, either not getting rid of the football or flushing the pocket too early. So encouraging to see the offensive line, I think, have a complete 180 from what they had a week ago versus South Florida. And then the second half, man, I, I came away looking at the second half and I was like, this is Alabama football pre-Tua. Like, this is, this is a winning combination of complimentary football if you have the caliber of players that Alabama has. And I, I thought Jalen Milrow really settled in. He was remarkably efficient. Uh, he gave his guys chances to make plays. The run game at times looked dominant, and they looked like they were that physical point-of-attack football team that you know we've all expected to see. So I, I thought there were some real encouraging moments when they came out of the locker room and were an entirely different football team. And listen, I know that the margin of error is super, super thin, right? We saw that with Clemson as their season basically evaporated on Saturday. But Alabama is going to be in a position to where if Jalen Milrow continues to just make strides and those young wideouts, I think Jalen Hale is going to be a great player for them. And I, I do think they've got some pieces there that are just kind of waiting to burst onto the scene. Uh, very good day, I thought, for Alabama, despite some of the warts. Uh, the way that game played out in the second half, I came away very impressed. Okay, let's look at a couple of the positives here. Monday Morning Live presented by our friends at MyBookie.ag. One number that jumps out, and you talked about the defensive front, how they got pressure uh pretty much after that first drive the rest of the game. Ole Miss was 3 of 14 on third down conversion plays there. 3 of 14. Uh, Old school coaches will tell you that is a telling sign of whether or not you win football games or not. And a lot of that came from the disruption from the guys with their hand in the dirt, the defensive line that Alabama hasn't had um, a couple of times last year, this year, some guys, Otis, we know of, but a couple of other guys, Braswell, Tim Smith, they, and, and some big defensive tackles were making some plays. Well, they're making some plays. And like I said, I, I think Ole Miss has some, some issues in the offensive line. And this has happened a few times now against this, this Ole Miss uh, front. Haven't been able to get the run game going. Uh, Jackson Dart, even though he saved them against Georgia Tech, using his legs to give them some run game. They don't have that feature ground and pound that they had a year ago with Quinshawn Judkins. And I think a lot of it's attributed to the offensive line, not to take away from Bama's effort because I thought it was fantastic. They were unbelievably disruptive. You mentioned the third down. To me, like, it reveals a couple of things. It either reveals that when it's third and short and you attempt to run the football, you can't win the point of attack, or you have not won on first and second down, gotten behind the chains, and now you're third and seven plus, and those are awfully difficult to convert. So however it was throughout the course of the game, um, that's an awful lot of third down. I mean, 14 third down, that's a big number. Uh, LT's neighbor jumps in early with us today. Bama has some positives to build on for the first mm -hmm. time this year. If they can get through the next two weeks alive, may be in business this year. He's talking about just – taking what we saw on Saturday and stacking that up a yeah. couple of weeks in a row because it did look like, to me, for the first time, they weren't trying to fit Jalen Milrow into the the offense that the rest of the guys have been running. They finally sort of <laughs> shifted to playing to Jalen Milrow's strength. Is that the way you saw it? 
Yeah, and I think we'll see more and more of that, and then hopefully they'll come up with some creative wrinkles for him and do some more things. And and he he still has to do a better job of having some situational awareness, um, particularly when it comes to sacks, taking negative plays. Um, obviously, the turnover down on the one yard line was uh, ultimately frustrating. Uh, by the way, is that actually LT's neighbor? It is not. I don't think it's LT's neighbor. There's a running gotta, joke on our on our show that is always. Um, LT's neighbors fired up this or that, and and uh, so I think the guy, yeah, I think the guy jumped in there as LT's neighbor because uh, it's such a reoccurring role on our show. LT has some problematic neighbors at times. Uh, apparently, so he better get check out some stalking issues there. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that uh, there there are positives. There are things that they could stack on and they can improve upon, or that they can add. Um, and he'll get he'll get better the more he plays. I mean, let's. Like I and I use this guy as an example because he was so awful. He was so awful in the first two and a half years at Florida State that he almost quit the game, and that is Jordan Travis. And to this point, Jalen Milrose played a lot better than he did early on in his career. So I think we've gotta we gotta take that to some degree and 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 realize things will unfold. They'll slow down for him. He he should improve. They gotta continue to Make sure that they build things around his strengths and don't put him in a position to ask him to do things that he's not, you know, proficient in right now. All right. So I want to I want to uh, call out these Alabama receivers for a second because they took they okay. took a beating in the conversation by fans and media last year with Bryce Young as quarterback that sometimes they're not these first round NFL draft picks and that may be the case. But as far as college receivers, <laughs> first of all. A rising star in Jalen Hell, who made a couple of plays, including yeah. that unbelievable catch on the 33-yard touchdown. And then yeah. Jermaine Burton, Luke's, that adjustment on the deep pass. I mean, I don't know oh. if they, I don't, those two catches, I don't know if the game goes the way it goes if both of them don't make those plays when they made those plays. That, that yeah. adjustment by Burton was elite. That was an elite adjustment in ball flight. I, I again, I, like I said, I think the crew has a chance to really develop into a really good group of receivers as the young guys continue to emerge and, and Isaiah Bond, Jermaine Burton, they continue to to develop. They're going to be okay, and they and they stood up and made plays when they had to. And all of a sudden, now the scrutiny's not all on Jalen Milrow because the guy on the other end of it, you know, delivered. And if they continue to do that. They're going to be more dangerous in the downfield passing game. And I think a lot of that has to do with confidence with this wide receiving core. They continue to make some plays, continue to go out there and be a mismatch problem. I think the one thing, too, and maybe we'll be looking at this differently three, four weeks from now, but I don't know if this has necessarily been a receiving core that when Alabama breaks the huddle, you have to say, okay, well, where's that guy or where where's that guy? Which over the last you know, 10, 12 years – They've had multiple guys that when you break the huddle, you better figure out where they're lining up. And so maybe they'll get to that point. It just may be a bit more of a work in progress. Yeah. All right. So uh, Alabama with the win, Mississippi State on the road in Starkville this weekend. Uh, Mississippi State getting a loss as they went up to South Carolina. We'll talk more about that game as we move throughout the week. The show, Monday morning live with us, um, chat with us, anywhere you get our video platforms, and then as uh, always on audio as you drive to work or to the school, uh, drop off 
offline. Whatever you're doing today, thanks for being with us on Monday Morning Live. He's Tom Luganville. Our friends at Gutter Cap want to remind you a patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep out debris and eliminate gutter cleaning backed with a lifetime warranty. That's Gutter Cap. 20 years of service right in Birmingham. Stay off that dangerous ladder forever. 45% off the retail price right now. GutterCapBirmingham.com. GutterCapBirmingham.com. Or call our good friend Chris Stewart, 205-823-2212. for our friends at GutterCap. Let's go Ohio State and their big win over Notre Dame. First off, physical, physical, physical. Uh, this game was a throwback. I love these type of games, a big atmosphere. I know a lot of people love offense, um, but three nothing at the half, and then you know a long yeah. drive, a gutsy. Everybody lines up. Let's see who can get one yard to win the football game. It was a lot of fun and a great atmosphere. Notre Dame did what they had to do to win the game, except make a stop at the end. Your big takeaway first of Ohio State's victory and what this means for Ryan Day in this program. Well, I, I thought that. Going into the game, because of the schedule of the teams that Ohio State and Notre Dame had played collectively, this was the type of game that was probably going to be played. You know, it was a line of scrimmage game. It's where the strength of, of, of both teams traditionally has been up front on both sides of the ball. So how the game played out didn't surprise me. Now, it's a lot easier to have a goal line stand when you have 11 players on the field um, if you're Notre Dame. And and that that was really, really frustrating. And I think in today's world, Jim, with the amount of analysts that you have, the amount of GAs, the amount of, of football ops people, both in the booth and down on the field, that stuff's inexcusable. You know, you just cannot have that happen in that moment. And I, you know, I, I felt a little bit for Marcus Freeman when I heard him explain what transpired there because it did kill them not having a timeout to correct it. They knew it but they didn't want to find themselves in a, in a penalty situation. I listen I, to me that the, the where Ohio state ran the football was where the player on the defense was missing. But I will say this. And my biggest take, takeaway was this is a huge coming of age moment for Kyle McCord. He, he stepped up particularly in the fourth quarter some of the throws he made on that last drive, that throw to, to, on the third and 19 was an absolute rocket. Game changer. And yeah. Absolutely. And there was no hesitation. There was no indecisiveness. He was ready for the moment. And when he saw it, he pulled the trigger. Um, I, I thought that was a real uh, a sign of growth for this offense. There was a lot of criticism placed upon that kid in the first couple of weeks. I thought he really emerged last week, particularly in the second quarter against Western Kentucky at home where he, he looked like he settled in and he, and he, what he saw, he reacted to, and that carried over on the road against Notre Dame. So I think they, you know, Ohio state now has their answer. They have to continue to go out and play uh really, really good football because obviously Michigan's a good football team. Penn state is clearly a really good football team. Don't know about the rest of the 11 in that, in that conference. So obviously Ohio state's going to have some athletic and talent advantages, but they're going to continue to get better and better and better. And it, you know, when you have games like that, if you think about it, you know, it wasn't that Notre Dame made, you know, a couple of plays here or there. It was that Notre Dame made a couple of mistakes late that Ohio State didn't make. And when talent is fairly equal across the board and you're in a one possession game like that, you can't make an error. 
Yeah, the the 10 on the field is mind-boggling. Troy says both Notre Dame and Ohio State are overrated. Let's not act like this was 2011 Alabama and LSU. I think time will tell them on that. Um, I, I didn't think Notre Relative Dame... Relative to what, though? Um, like, okay, overrated. What, what well, I we think gonna, he's saying at the, end, at the end, USC Alabama and LSU were the best two teams in the country. That's why I'm saying it's too early to say we don't know what Notre Dame yeah. and Ohio State will become yet. No, we don't. And again, we also don't know what other teams surrounding them in that area are going to become yet. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Jim, but USC has no business being in the top 10. None. Yeah. Um, same defense as we saw, same defense we saw in 2022. uh, Without the plus 22 turnover margin. Right. So, you know, and that makes the Colorado game interesting this week because what if Colorado can score against them? That's right. I mean, that, and so that's interesting, but yeah, I think, you know, to say that about Ohio state, Notre Dame, well, I mean, it's relative to the other powers around them. You know, it looks like LSU is doing the exact same thing that they did a year ago. Um, Penn state's clearly an entirely different team than they were a year ago. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the team I saw on Saturday night, and I know nobody watched it, but Texas could be ranked number one or number two, and you could make a lot of arguments that it would be legit. I did not expect to see as complete a football team as I saw on Saturday night from the Texas Longhorns. It's hard to find any type of void or glaring weakness in that football team, and as long as they don't screw it up, um, they're going to be head and shoulders the best team in every game they play, Oklahoma's improved. I, I acknowledge that, but they're not on the level of Texas right now. So, again, I, I think we can look at Notre Dame and we can look at Ohio State and say two really good football teams played, and it was a really close game because that's what two good football teams get into. They're, they're, you're not going to have a blowout scenario. I think even though one of the teams lost, it doesn't mean that that team, being Notre Dame, is all of a sudden going to come crumbling down. They're too experienced. Ohio State's number four in the new AP poll is Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Florida State slipping one to five with the overtime win at Clemson. And in that contest, I mean, Clemson was one-on-one on those great Florida State receivers that just dominated the LSU secondary, and they played them one-on-one all day long, man-to-man coverage all day long, which helped uh, Clemson up front pressure Jordan Travis and control the run game a little bit. If not for a sack, fumble, scoop, and score, and a missed field goal, Florida State loses this football game at Clemson, and you say the season's over for Clemson, and I understand that two losses, you're not going to make the playoffs, the 14 playoffs, and it's just weird to see Clemson in that setting 0-2 now in the ACC. But that Clemson team played better than I thought they had it in them against Florida State. Yeah. And it makes me question Florida State down the road. Yeah, and, and it, it came down to just a couple of plays and then a, you know, a huge play-calling blunder there at the end um, on, on the third and one. I just it's, And, and, and we, we can blame Clay Cub, Cade Klubnik on that, but why is there an option in that call? Yeah, when you got Will Shipley, side. when you have Will Shipley and you need a yard, I'll take that guy four times. And they had just run nine yards on the previous down. And so, um, listen, should Cade Klubnick have had much better awareness? Yes. But there should not have been a run-pass option on that play call. So that comes from the sideline. Um, The the thing you should be concerned about with Florida State, because it's two weeks in a row now, they can't run the football. 
Now, I know Clemson's got a vaunted defensive front, and they were all over Florida State. I mean, Clemson played pretty good football for the vast majority of the day. But that's two weeks in a row now that that Florida State can't run the ball. And the, the, the thing that struggle, that's fear, um, frustrating for Florida State is against Boston College, Boston College had given up a ton of yards on the ground to Holy Cross in northern Illinois. And then, you know, Louisville just dismantles Boston College both through the air and on the ground. And then Florida State returns to play on the road at Clemson, and, and, and it was worse. And so something's got to get back on track because – I don't think Florida State's identity is rooted into the drop back passing game. They are going to run. They're a counter inside and outside zone team that's going to come off of play action to get that run, that, that, that passing game going. And I think that's one of the reasons why Clemson was really able to cover down those receivers for Florida State because the, the, the run game was almost non existent. So Florida State kind of got in some obvious passing situations. No dominant teams at this point. They all have flaws. That's from Jeremy in our Vulcan Tire and Automotive chat room this morning, Lugs. Uh, Georgia, we don't know what they are yet. Uh, Michigan, we think we know what they are, but they haven't been tested and probably won't be tested until November. Texas has a good win at Alabama and now a good win at Baylor, though Baylor's uh, underwhelming right now record-wise. Yeah. Ohio State just got the win at Notre Dame. Uh, Florida State has a win at technically a neutral side against LSU and now on the road at Clemson. And then Penn State, who just dominated Iowa over the weekend, they look good. Washington's out there playing nobody, but looks, they look perfect doing it. Uh, USC, Oregon, and Utah in that top ten, a lot of Pac-12 love. If you had to say your four best teams right now on what you've seen on the field and, and maybe projecting out some with Georgia, because it's hard to tell with Georgia thus far, who do you think's impressed you the most so far this year? Your four, your four best. You just, I think you just mentioned Texas, Texas with so, yeah. So Texas, yeah, is I mentioned one. Texas, and I and I and I think they could be a top. I could, I think, I would not. I I would understand the argument to have them number one or two. Um, I I do think that 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 win for Ohio State was a really big important win, and I think defensively they've come a long, long way since two years ago. So they seem. Like they're developing into more of a complete team. Um, I, I know that they haven't really played anybody yet, but but Penn State looks like a championship caliber team to me. They they really really do. And now instead of having kind of a serviceable guy at quarterback, they got a potential difference maker in Drew Aller. Um, that's three right there. If you wanted to just say, all right, who's playing as complete of of of, of of complimentary football, run to pass, defense to offense, kicking game. I know they haven't played a, a great schedule, but Washington is a problem. Like I, they, they are. Like I would have, I, I would. I'm not saying I'd put them in there over Michigan, but maybe I would. But they came to mind first. Yeah. And so, um, and we'll see. Again, I, I think as we get into the meat of that schedule, it's going to be so fun because. They're all going to start bumping each other off. I think it's going to be so hard for somebody to come out of the Pac-12 undefeated. It might be hard for somebody to come out of there with just one loss. So it might be premature to say to say that. Um, but I would definitely have Penn State in my top four. Yeah, Washington, Arizona this weekend, 9 o'clock Pac-12 Network. Um, 
So another another sort of gimme week for Washington before it cranks up for them in the Pac-12. We'll get to Oregon in Colorado after I tell you about our friends at Next Round Coffee. You know, we partnered with the folks at Who Is Coffee, and they created the Next Round Blend. I enjoy it every morning here on the show, so cheers to you. Well, no cheers because there's no whiskey in here, but... Uh, as far as we know. But, but there's a lot of good medium roast coffee right here. 100% Arabica beans, specialty coffee, roasted on demand, available in whole bean or ground for the drip pods out there. Just go to our store, nextround.store, nextround.store to buy the next round blend of coffee and just set up a shipment plan, get it shipped to you whenever you need it. Or you can go check out everything at whoiscoffee.com, whoiscoffee.com, and everything they offer with that great company there. Boy, Dan Lanning. <laughs> had a mat on he was uh laying he did it perfectly luke's he, he didn't say anything all week uh he let his let his uh team get ready he prepared a lot of respect to colorado but you're in the broadcast business the head coach has to okay that camera to be in there for pregame speeches am i right and he knew what he was uh, doing right. when he let the cameras in for that pregame speech right oh there's no question i don't think there's there's any question. And I think to some degree, there's some validity in what he's saying. I mean, when you th- think about it, I mean, the, 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 the majority of the reason why we are all so acutely aware of Colorado, even prior to the first kickoff at TCU, is because they have done the most remarkable branding campaign in the history of probably intercollegiate athletics through social media. Right. And it is all about Coach Prime. It's all about Colorado. It's all about Shiloh Sanders. It's all about um, Deion Sanders Jr., who, by the way, is behind all of that. He has created a marketing level of genius that uh, through social media and how to use it. I mean, he's putting on a clinic. Right. And so what happens is when you do that, it sometimes it can become all about that right and and i know you want a lot of eyeballs on your program and and things of that nature and that's important especially in the position that colorado is is in but it it can work the other way too when things don't go well right and like for example um i don't know if you saw this on social media but apparently colorado brings a throne it's like a personally made throne they call it their turnover throne right so if you get a turn and they bring it on the road <laughs> so it's sitting there somewhere in the stadium there at outside stadium and there's some there's a video of somebody took a video of these two handlers or staffers of colorado lugging this huge throne off the field at outside stadium and it's just like it's that type of stuff that gets other coaches inflamed where they're like, you know what? Un- enough of this. They, they want to go do all of that flashy stuff. We're going to be all about ball here. And I thought that that was a really, really well phrased pregame speech. I think he meant every word of it and not necessarily as a, a disrespect to Deion Sanders or what Colorado had done to this point, but he wanted to make sure that, they put an end to what I think he probably thinks has been a circus. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, you follow recruiting for your, your main employer, ESPN, yeah. and it has been a Colorado infomercial for Dion on the recruiting circles. Not oh. about this Colorado. It's, it's about this Colorado team, 
but it's helping the Colorado teams of the future because yeah, of the, yeah. uh, it's been ESPN and Fox and, and everybody. I mean, Good Morning America, the Today Show, 60 Minutes, everybody's been on on this because it's been such a great show that they put on. And they've been winning football yeah. games. Yeah. And Dan and that Dan Landing's trying to recruit at Oregon. And he, he seemed like he wanted to make a point, uh, even at halftime, up 35 to nothing. Here's his quote. I hope everyone who's been watching Colorado every week is still watching when it was 35 to nothing because he said – you know, we're not done. Now, he went in, cooled off, and decided, and hey, we're going to score one more touchdown, and I'm going to call off the dogs. But that game could have been 70-6. to six. Oh. It could have been 75-6. to six. could have been 80-6. to six. If they wanted to go ahead and give Bo Nix the Heisman, they could have run that thing all day long and twice on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think what we saw during the game is what most of us have anticipated. And to be honest with you, it's what I had anticipated early in the year. And took a lot of heat for it, but you know that team right now is five players, and one of them's hurt. And those five players are really, really good. But there is not a single sign that that offensive line is any better than they were a year ago. There's not a single sign that they are any better on defense than they were a year ago. Um, they absolutely cannot run the football. And as I've said each and every week, I don't know how they're going to keep the quarterback upright. I mean, that he is – and now listen, it hasn't all been on the offensive line. He's gotten himself into some trouble too. He He's created some of those sacks and the, some of those negative plays uh, just by trying to keep a play alive when he should just live to play the next down and throw it away. Um, and so he, he – some of that's on Shador Sanders. But this is a long season, and they, they are – physically incapable of running the football. I think they had 23 yards rushing yesterday. The most they've had in a single game this year is 70. Um, Obviously, sack totals come off of that, but they haven't lined up and just said, hey, we've got Dylan Edwards here, and he's going to run for 150 yards. That's not happening in that offense. And so (laughs) we project forward now. They're back in Boulder. SC might – you think Oregon scored. SC – and don't think Lincoln Riley, if he has the opportunity, will not line up to pour it on. Yeah, because the same reason is landing, right? Because this is Lincoln Riley's recruiting as well, and, and Dion could steal players out of his coffers as well. Big time. And But now you look at it from the other side of the table and you say, all right, well, SC's really problematic on defense too. And what we have seen from Colorado to this point is when they've played four teams on defense, which at the time – well, really, Nebraska was Nebraska gave Colorado fits in that first half. Uh, they just completely imploded on offense. But everybody else, if you're not a, a well put together defensive team, Colorado's capable of moving the ball and scoring. So that's what's going to make this one this weekend pretty interesting. Yeah, a hundred percent. There, there's enough bad on USC's defense that Colorado could do enough good to make this game interesting and at least yeah. close enough with it being such a shootout that um, a lot of people will continue to jump on that Colorado bandwagon. They can look, they can erase how bad they look at Oregon in this national television audience yeah. uh, game with USC because quickly the Fox promos forgot quickly about how badly the Oregon game was looking on the other channel. Oh, yeah. Because the promos were quickly, <laughs> biggest game of the year, USC in Boulder with Colorado, 11 o'clock on the big noon kickoff. Uh, forget that it's 42-6 to six over here. Biggest game of the year. Yeah. And by the way, 
don't think that Caleb Williams isn't sitting there in the background going, aren't I the reigning Heisman Trophy winner? That's right. And and all he's done is do the exact same thing he did last year. Now, I know SC hadn't played anybody, but he's done the exact same thing he did last year. No, no reason to think he's not going to be doing it against that Colorado defense. All right. MyBookie.ag brings you uh, the show. Our only break is right here now. Quick break here. When we come back, we'll get to some more of your reaction from the week four of college football. Looking ahead to week five, I'll go, uh, you know, a good five or 10 minutes on what you guys are saying in the chat room. Still, we'll talk about some more contenders, including A&M getting a win, Auburn now getting ready to host number one Georgia and all that still to come. This is Monday morning live being brought to you by mybookie.ag. As summer bids adieu, get ready to welcome the arrival of fall. But hey, it's not just football season making an entrance. In the world of past, it's fall invader season. Hold on tight, because we've got four major troublemakers stepping into the spotlight. Box elder bugs, kudzu bugs, ladybugs, and stink bugs. These pests don't just knock. They barge in like they own the place. But fear not. Dial up Wayne's Pest Control now. 865-588-6686. And show those fall invaders who's boss. Don't let pests crash your fall. Take charge today. The next round is so much more than the show you get from 9 to 1 each day. So make sure to head to our official YouTube channel at Next Round Live and subscribe to get all of our latest content. We, of course, have plenty of specialty content and shorts based all around the sports in the heart of the SEC. But we also talk pro sports, gambling, lifestyle and entertainment, and so much more. It's the Next Round YouTube channel where you never know what you're going to find next. Subscribe now to see the latest content and get notifications when we go live. That's at Next Round Live on YouTube. Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about our friends at Gutter Cap. Gutter Cap's that patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep out debris and eliminate that gutter cleaning. It's back with a lifetime warranty, almost 20-year service record right here in Birmingham. Stay off that dangerous ladder forever. 45% off the retail price now if you call guttercapbirmingham.com. Call my good friend Chris Stewart now, 205-823-2212. Cap it, don't snap it, it's Gutter Cap. Want more of the show? Download the app or visit nextroundlive.com for the latest podcast. The Mystery Fifth Hour are not for all ages podcasts like Bama and Bourbon and the entire Double Down Media podcast family. All at nextroundlive.com and on the Next Round app. The Next Round Golf Cart is here. Your chance to play four area golf courses for just $89. Get 18 holes in cart at Limestone Springs, Cross Creek, the Meadows, and the newly renovated Woodward Golf Club. A $247 value for just $89. Get your golf cart now at nextround.store. Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about one of our favorite places for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That is Hamburger Heaven since 1982. Hamburger Heaven has been serving Birmingham's best hamburgers, cheeseburgers, french fries, hand-spun milkshakes, and sandwiches made fresh to order. All of their ingredients are fresh and prepared daily. This includes their beef, always fresh, never frozen, hand-pattied each and every day. For breakfast, lunch, or dinner, visit any of the four locations, Highway 280, Irondale, Gardendale, and Homewood. The next round is brought to you in part by the biggest, baddest track in NASCAR, Talladega Super Speedway. This beast is two and a half miles of nothing but pure speed and always puts on a great show for the fans. The Yellowwood 500 NASCAR Playoffs Weekend is coming and you do not want to miss it. Saturday, September 30th is the Craftsman Truck Series Playoffs Race, followed by Sunday's Yellowwood 500 in the NASCAR Cup Series Playoffs. Be there to see drivers battle 500 miles to survive. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com.
know, Monday morning live all the way to the top of the hour, and then we'll turn it over to 9 a.m. Central Time to the next round uh, for three hours today. And don't forget, Disrupt the Media is where you go on YouTube to follow everything, including War Dam Pods and Roll Tide Pods for your Auburn and Alabama coverage. Our friends at Blakely's got you covered when it comes to everything you need in a florist. You can order online with Blakely'sBouquets.com. Blakely'sBouquets.com. It's that time of year in fall where you want to change those flowers around the house uh, for all the holidays that are coming up. Blakely's handles that. Blakely'sBouquets.com. You can call them over the phone, too. 205-579-4900. 205-579-4900. If you're in Central Alabama they deliver all over you can visit them in person as well at their full service flower shop on Oxmoor Road Blakely's Bouquets Blakely's Bouquets.com homecoming prom all that they've got you covered there Lugs in the chat room let's run through some things Bobby quickly in with his top five right now he goes Texas like yeah. you Florida State, Washington, Michigan, and he throws Oregon in there at five. And and, and say what you will about Oregon. Uh, they dominated, and I know their schedule hasn't been challenging yet, but it will be soon. Right. Bo Nix, four touchdowns, 84.8% completion rating. Um he has the look of a Heisman Trophy contender. Sure. And they've got receivers. They're physical on defense. They can run the football. And Bo's got a brain and making so many good decisions. I like everything I see about Oregon right now. I Listen, I, I can't argue with that. I think that's a solid top five. It really is. Um, I just I, – I continue to marvel at the the player that Bo Nix has become. And, 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 Jim, I know you and the fellas and everybody there – at the next round, and, and, and they're so familiar in that state um, with Alabama, with Auburn football, and can just remember vividly the wild up-and-down performances of Bo Nix during his tenure at Auburn. And to see him settle in and become a player that I don't know if any of us thought he would become when he made the transfer to Oregon. I think, in fairness, a lot of people were going, why is Oregon taking this guy, Right. And there would have been a lot of evidence to point to that being a pretty legitimate thought process. And so the kid deserves a lot of credit. And um, and he has not only got good players around him, but he is making good decisions. He went from a player that refused to play from within the confines of the offense to a player that is literally driving the offense. It's like they gave him the keys and said, we don't want you to drive it. We want you to race it. And uh, and I, I think Oregon's really good. I wouldn't argue with that top five at all. I think it's a solid top five. And I'll I'll be honest with you though, as I watched Bo's time at Auburn, he was surrounded mm-hmm. by uh, what was deteriorating coaching and personnel around him. It, it didn't continue to grow Agreed. when he got to Auburn. The talent level continued to drop when he got to Auburn. And I thought his coaching continued to drop when he got to Auburn. If if, if Bo Nix was committing to Auburn this year. Back in from his days at Pinson Valley with Hugh Freeze as the coach, I don't think Bo Nix oh, might be a different discussion. Yeah, I don't think Bo would ever leave Auburn, and I think you'd be putting up these kind of numbers in his second, third, fourth year with Hugh Freeze as the coach because he's going to continue to bring in talent. And it was going the other way with Bo. I think this player was always in Bo. I early on at Auburn. I felt like he was having to do what Shador Sanders is doing at Colorado. Yeah, uh, he's having to he's having to try to create. You know what? Go chicken salad out of you know what there. So uh, sometimes that that gets you into a little backyard play there. Uh, John brings up what has been mentioned. I can't count, but it's double-digit times in our chat room. So I'll just go off of John. 
after the block All punt, right. whoever called for the offense to go out of the shotgun instead of under center needs to be fired right now. That's back to the Alabama game. They needed a spark. They get a block punt. It goes out between the one and the two, so you're at the one-and-a-half-yard line. You got a man-child at quarterback. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles has given everybody the recipe on how to pick up a yard. You just line it up and you push everybody forward, especially when you got a grown man at quarterback. And you line up in the shotgun with a center who has been 50-50 at best on getting a good snap off this year. And you snap it over the guy's head. I don't understand what we're doing with modern football. Do we not practice a snap under center? Oh, they do because they did it in the second half later on. He got under center one time. What are we doing, Luke? What are we doing in that situation? Well, I tell you, that's uh, I'm pretty sure Nick Saban uh, went over to Tommy Reese and said, if we ever get in that situation again, our quarterback will be under center. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Listen, I we, we see this more often than we would care to. It's – Let's let's snap the ball back five yards to go six, right? To gain one, we're going to snap it five. Like I, I've never understood that mentality either. I think we become so we become so shotgun centric, right? Because it's been so such a prolific, um, I guess you could say evolution in football because there's so many other different things that come off of it. You know, the jet sweep coming underneath it and all that. Remember, it used to be if you ran the jet sweep, the quarterback was under center, and he turned around really quickly and just handed it to the guy going right behind him. Now it's turned into a forward pass so that you don't have a fumble. Um, and we've gotten away from maybe just the simple thing of lining up, snapping the ball, and falling forward. And, and Alabama was the culprit this week, but, again, it, it happens more often than you think. Yeah, uh, A and H outdoors. Notre Dame blew the game. Ohio State got lucky. I think they'll lose two this year. Heartbreaking that Arkansas lost as well. Um, he wanted the win for Arkansas. The Hogs went into Baton Rouge and played toe to toe with LSU yeah. this weekend. They did, and then Jaden Daniels got hot, and that's kind of been the mo with with LSU is all of a sudden they seem to get into this rhythm and then it, I mean, they just, they take off and they're explosive and they're fast and they're deep and they're starting to play winning football. I will, I want to say something about luck though, because I don't care if it was 2019 Clemson, 2015 Alabama, whoever, 2014 Ohio state, you are not winning a championship without luck. Luck is part of the deal. You're going to have to have a ball bounce your way. Uh, and I'll, and I'll, I'll point to a specific play. And when I lay it out, you're going to, you're going to shake your head. Alabama, Auburn in Tuscaloosa, the 2010 season, Alabama's up, I think 24 to nothing. And they throw a pass along the sideline and the guy's running down the sideline and he's going to score. It's going to be, I think, 31 to nothing or 31 to seven. And the Auburn defender comes by behind him and hits the ball out. And we all know a football's not round, right? That ball comes out, hits the ground about three inches from the sideline, 15 yards from the goal line and rolls straight through. The back of the end zone. It didn't go right. It didn't go left. The chances of that happening are like winning the lottery, right? And so it's a it's a component to championship-level play. 
You know, don't make mistakes. Don't be heavily penalized. Don't turn the ball over. Have elite players. And you're going to have to have some luck. So if that happened for Ohio State, doesn't mean that it's not going to go their way every week. But sometimes that can be something that can propel you. Like, that's your luck moment. And everything else takes care of itself from that point on. Pritch Law with his five. uh, He goes uh, Ohio State, USC, Florida State, Texas. And he has Georgia number one. He's one of those people that doesn't understand why everyone is just discounting Georgia right now in all these national conversations. What do you make of Georgia as they get ready to go play Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium? I don't know if Auburn's going to be able to give them the challenge that that fan base and that crowd and that stadium will be worthy of this weekend, but maybe they will. What do you make of Georgia at this point in the season? I think they have elite players and a lot of new faces and are still trying to work through the right combination of personnel and the and the, the right pieces of the puzzle. We've got an inexperienced quarterback that's still coming into his own. Um, I don't think there's a team that they would take the field against in the country that you could say player for player in the two or three deep would be as good as Georgia is. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to play the best, but from a personnel standpoint, they have elite level personnel. Um, but they haven't been perfect. Uh, I, I, I think you kind of come to expect a little of this because of all of the talk about the schedule and the schedule and the schedule. Well, they still got to go out and play the games. They still got the biggest target on their back of anybody in college football. So they know they're going to get everybody's best shot. It may not always be pretty. It may get a lot prettier down the stretch as they get more experience and again, come into their own and find out exactly who they are. But uh, I think it's premature to be overly harsh on them. But this is what happens when you become a victim of your own standard, right, and your own level of success. We've seen it happen with Alabama. We've seen it where it's happening right now with Clemson. It's going to look like now this is the two of the last three years. Clemson won't be in the college football playoff. Uh, and we're not even into the month of October yet. And so all of a sudden the sky is crashing down. I think it's premature to have those types of thoughts about Georgia. But i got to go back. Did he have SC? At number two? I had SC at number four. USC at number four. Four? Yeah. Oh, okay. Slightly ahead of Ohio State behind uh, Georgia, Texas, and Florida State. Yeah, I think Ohio State, if Ohio State played played SC right now, they would go up and down the field on SC, and it would be a no contest. Not saying that SC wouldn't score. I mean, obviously, you got Caleb Williams and this and that. But SC hasn't played anybody like Ohio State on defense. And you can argue that that SC on defense is a lot closer to Western Kentucky and uh, Youngstown State than they are to Notre Dame. Yeah, which is surprising. They continue to bring in you know five- and four-star talent. Greg says Jordan Travis isn't close to 100%, so that takes away a big part of the run game for Florida State. That shoulder on his non-throwing shoulder – uh, probably had him avoiding a little bit of the contact and a little bit of the run calls that normally would have happened for Florida State. What do you think of that? Well, uh, when, when I had the game the week before and the game that he hurt his shoulder on, um, he ran a bunch in the second half when he came back out and played, and he lowered his shoulder a couple of times. And then in that game against Clemson, in the Boston College game, he came out of the locker room, and he, his left side was really wrapped up. You could – we didn't know what the injury was, but we knew it was the left side and the upper extreme, extremity. It was not wrapped up on Saturday. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's not the case, but I'm not convinced that they were protecting themselves and protecting quarterback run. My comments earlier is 
they can't get the run game going with Tua Feely. They can't get the run game going with Trey Benson. I mean, that was that's been the staple of their offense. So, um, and, you know, maybe because they can't get those two guys going, they're going to limit what they do with Jordan Travis. But I think Jordan Travis is plenty healthy enough to play wing football. He did have that shoulder harness on that was obvious that that uh, limits what you can do with that non-throwing shoulder. Yeah. yeah, trying to protect that joint and uh, what is happening up there. So let's bounce around uh, the other games we haven't talked about and sort of circle back. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Way to Wellness. You can uh, start that weight loss right now, controlling the blood pressure and cholesterol by going to this website, aplanforme.com, aplanforme.com. It took me from a hefty 216 all the way down at one point to 170. Uh, I wanted to be around 180. 181. That's where I am today. They help me keep the weight off. No cookie cutter plan. Everything is designed for you. The program is overseen by board certified professionals. There's no contract. There's no sign up fees and you get a free consultation because you watch Monday morning live. Leslie and her board certified team there. Go to the website, a planforme.com, a planforme.com. Washington State beat Oregon State. Cam Ward's 4 0. He's got 404 yards passing. Four touchdowns, no interceptions against a pretty good defense. Uh, Jake Dicker didn't like Lee Corso's comments about it's the no-watch bowl or whatever uh, it is. That Washington State team is pretty good. Just add them to yeah. the mix of, of a tough out in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, with all of this offensive play, and I think Jake Dickert's correct when you if, – if we're going to start having Heisman talk, how are you not including Cameron Ward based off of the performances? I mean, that's, that's a Wisconsin win. That's an Oregon State one. A lot of people feel like outside of Utah, Oregon State is clearly the best defense. Um, he absolutely outplayed DJ Uyunglele, and um, I thought it was an unbelievable performance. The, the, the problem is with some of these performances in that league, as we know, and it's one of the reasons why the kick this week is 10 o'clock Mountain Time in the morning, is you're trying to get exposure for your league in East Coast viewing windows. You know, you need that, 10, that, that noon window. You need that 330, which is exactly what Oregon and Colorado was. But unfortunately, sometimes we're not going to get that in the Pac-12 with some of these other games that are featuring really, really good play. Um, quickly on these other games, we'll bounce around. Utah only needed 219 offensive yards against Chip Kelly in UCLA, 14-7. to uh, So that tells you how good, still with no cam rising, Utah's defense really is. Oh, man, and needed to be. And and I think Nate Johnson's going to be a really, really good player, but uh, just not there yet in the passing game. Great runner. A little bit like Jalen Milrow, just took some unnecessary sacks. Um, Utah, pretty fortunate. But, uh, again, UCLA goes into Rice-Eccles Stadium with a true freshman quarterback, and outside of the opening play of the game where he throws the interception, they go toe-to-toe with Utah with an inexperienced offense, and I think the Bruins got a pretty better in defense. So, uh UCLA is going to continue to potentially be a problem in that league. Uh, Texas A&M, they get the win. Max Johnson comes in. Uh, he can never win a job wherever he is, but Max Johnson, such a valuable backup, looked really good yeah. running and throwing the football to beat Auburn. Auburn played all three of their quarterbacks. Even Gurner got into the game. Nine of 23, <laughs> 56 yards passing for Auburn. As you As you look at Auburn getting ready to host Georgia this weekend, if you're Hugh Freeze, it's all about the future, but you've got to manage the rest of the season. What do you What do you do? How do you create any kind of offense against Georgia's defense this week? 
I, I really don't know. Is it tricks? Is it misdirection? Is it eye candy and a bunch of different things to try to scheme things up to get an advantage because you're at such a distinct personnel uh, disadvantage? Uh, I, I Listen, I, I think for me, I felt in, in seeing Peyton Thorne in person two years ago, I thought he was a, a serviceable quality player that was never going to be a difference maker. Like, was never going to be that guy that changes the offense and changes your football team. And I think to this point, that's kind of what we've seen, maybe even less than that. Robert, Robbie Asper, I think we've seen enough, enough of a sample size to know what his deficiencies are. I wouldn't be surprised if he just keeps plugging guys in and out to try and see if he can get a spark and figure out how they can move the football, move the pocket, try to get out on the perimeter in the passing game so the guys aren't just sitting there in the pocket and aren't able to protect the quarterback. But it's a really good question because I don't think there's over there's a ton of answers aside from trying to out-scheme, and that's only going to take you so far. MyBookie.ag, MyBookie, bringing you Monday morning live all the time. A couple of games I'm worried about of the teams I, I think the, the public would think would win this weekend – and George brings one up from Austin, big Texas fan. He says two things. I, I love the depth of our receivers. Just look at Jatavion yeah. Sanders this weekend. I'll let you talk about the depth of the receivers. He goes, but I'm concerned about this weekend because here comes Jalen Daniels in Kansas, Kansas, Texas, 230 ABC. Talk to me about the Texas depth at receiver. We saw it in Tuscaloosa. And then how tricky of a game is it this weekend for the Horns? I think it's super tricky. Just if you remove Oklahoma and Texas, and two years ago when they announced they go to the SEC, if you remove those two teams and you say, well, who's the best team in the Big 12? It's Kansas. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, It's unbelievable. The job Lance Leipold has done. Um, so let me touch on the receivers. You know, I, I mentioned my broadcast partner, Dusty Dvorak. We were on the way to the airport late, late Saturday night, and we were talking about Texas, and we were like, Where's the glaring weakness? And my response after thinking about it for a moment, I was like, it might be Xavier Worthy, their best players, inconsistent hands and ball skills, because he has had issues with that. I said, that might be their biggest weakness, because the group, Jatavion Sanders, is an absolute nightmare. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going past Brock Bowers on NFL draft boards. Sark does such a good job with him. Then you've got Xavier Worthy, who's an absolute jet, You've got Jordan Whittington, all right? You've got the true freshman, uh, Jonte Cook. I mean, they are loaded. They've got wideouts everywhere, uh, top to bottom. They can plug and play. But right now, their team is like that. Like, they're like that in the offensive line. They are like that in the defensive front. Uh, the back end is really, really good. So I, I think it's going to be a huge game in Austin a big statement moment for Texas to prove that for two weeks in a row they can come off, or three weeks in a row they can come off that Alabama win and prove their worth. That's really important to me. But keep an eye on Jalen Daniels. That kid is a nightmare to deal with. I mean, he is really, really good, and Kansas is physical, can run the football, and they'll hit you on defense. Uh, two other games. We've got three minutes on the nose right now to finish this up. MyBookie.ag's Monday Morning Live. LSU, I know Ole Miss just got it handed to them in in Tuscaloosa. LSU and Oxford, and then Notre, the game day site, Notre Dame at Duke. Those are two tricky games for who I think the public would think LSU easy over Ole Miss, Notre Dame uh, easy over Duke. 
those two home teams there. It could be tricky this weekend for those those two teams. Yeah, it, it could be. Um, I, I think Ole Miss will respond. I think they'll they'll show up and they'll play they'll play well. But right now, like I said with LSU, LSU's hot, man. Like they're kind of just um, elevating this way ever so slowly. The times they've looked overly dynamic. Uh, how does Notre Dame respond? Right, you're going to have that was. It's not a big stadium, but man, that was a raucous atmosphere when I was there for Clemson and Duke is is not a fluke. They are a legit football team. And I think they're going to have to get more out of the passing game in Riley Leonard than they've gotten the last couple of weeks. But uh, Notre Dame will have their hands full. I think that's going to be a really, really competitive football game. Yeah, I, I do too in that one. Um, NH3425 uh, uh, says, trap game for Texas. This is, you know, yeah. you know Oklahoma's got Iowa State. Texas has tricky Kansas. Then those two play each other in Red River next week. It is a classic look-ahead game for Texas. They better watch out. Yeah, and I, I think them losing to, to Kansas at home two years ago, a bad Kansas team, Lance Leipold's first year, they, they're not going to look. I, if, in my opinion, that game for Texas would have been this past weekend versus Baylor. And they went out and just absolutely dominated Baylor from the first whistle. So they clearly weren't – they knew who Kansas was on the other side too, and they know who that quarterback is as well. So I don't I don't see Texas taking Kansas lightly in any way, shape, or form, um, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be a great football game because Kansas will be ready to play. Okay, 15 seconds. Can you tell me, do you think Alabama can ride their style of play that you saw in the second half all the way to Atlanta? Yes. Eliminate penalties and don't turn the ball over. Those two things, you clean up those two areas, they are talented enough to get to Atlanta. Yeah, they uh, the defense flexed their muscle this past week in front of their old defensive coordinator in Pete Golding. Lukes, thank you, man, for another great week of Monday Morning Live. We'll be back next yeah. Monday. Lukes with us with Ball and Spitting Lukes on our Disrupt the Media platform with Brown and LT the rest of the week. Go like and subscribe to all that. Thanks to all of our sponsors, including MyBookie.ag with that 110% deposit bonus. Go get that. MyBookie.ag. The next round is up at 9 a.m. Central Time. Until next time, God bless you and God bless America.